When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, episode 53. Got a special one for you. Uh, going to run into a former teammate of mine in an interview I think you're going to love. Uh, but first, real quick, wanted to touch base on uh, what's going on in baseball right now. So uh, many of you I know that are that are hardcore fans understand the waiver wire and how that works, but uh, a lot of people don't. I know players that don't. So um, about this time of the year, every year, you see a ton of players going through uh, what's called waivers. Uh, there are two two kinds of waivers. There are revocable and irrevocable waivers. Um, during the season, you might see players put on waivers every now and then and, and then taken off. Early in the year, teams can put a player on waivers. And basically what that means is that gives all the other teams in baseball access to that player. And, and, and in reverse order, from worst to first, a team can claim a player on revocable waivers early in the year. The team that puts them on waivers can call them back. Um, sometimes it's to uh, find out if somebody has interest in a player. Sometimes you put players on waivers because you need to open up a spot on your 40-man roster. Uh, and wa- guys that go on waivers are guys that are on the 40-man roster. And you can only have 40 players on that roster. So those spots are valuable. Now, what happens now is at the end of the year, uh, we have this irrevocable waivers. And what that means is, that any players put on waivers now, if you claim them, you own them. And that might not sound like a big deal, but this is how you get rid of contracts you don't want or players you aren't planning on having next year. And a team that went all in at the deadline and ended up going right down the crapper uh, showed you what it looks like. The Angels put Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Dominic Leone, Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchick on waivers. Um I think Giolito, well, Moore has been as, probably as good as anybody on that staff. Um, but the Giolito one, I think, caught everybody by surprise, number one, because I think everybody was surprised the Angels ended up getting him. Um, but more more importantly, he's got uh, time left on this contract at a, at a big number. And um, somebody picks him up, and I think somebody will pick him up. Uh, they own the contract and the player and all the money. Uh, it's a way for, for, like I said, teams dumb contracts at the end of the year. Try to anyway. The uh, the Dodgers uh, waived Josh Donaldson, Harrison Bader, Mets waived uh, Carrasco, um, Tigers waived uh, Jose Cisneros, reliever. Um, but you can pick them up for, I think it's fifty thousand uh, dollars, and you own them in their contracts. Uh, and then waivers are in reverse order. If you pick somebody, you go to the bottom of the list, and the next team's up and and things like that. And if a team rosters them right now, Kurt, they can be on the playoff roster if they roster them by September 1st. 1st, Right. Correct. And that's why it happens now because teams that want to roster a player, I think you're going to see a team like the Marlins. I could see the Marlins if, if depending on ownership could be very active here. Um, And some teams that are playing better. I was actually surprised or, or, or that we didn't see a lot of Padre contracts on the on the market. 
uh, on the waiver wire with those big deals and given how badly they're playing. Um, the, the other thing it clears you up, if you clear waivers, you can outright a guy and send him to the minor leagues without having to worry about him um, being taken out uh, by another club. So uh, that's that's waivers in a nutshell. So look for any – if you look in, in the past, there have been times where teams have picked up a kind of a monster contract out of nowhere um, because they wanted to fill a, plug a hole. Uh, with a guy that they know that they knew that they were probably going to want for the postseason if they made it. I remember the Padres doing it with Randy Myers um, a long time ago, uh, uh, picking him up late in the year. So anyway, uh, that's waivers in a nutshell. Now to the interview, uh, a guy I had the privilege of playing with and has been a friend for life, uh, who I I would argue is probably one of the more underrated players of my generation. Played 18 years in the big leagues. Uh, Ended his career with this 2,769 hits. That's 31st all time. Uh, what did I say, Bill? We're 24,000 players in the big leagues? Yeah. Uh, in history, 31 players. Uh, this player was the 31st player all time in hits. Um, and runs, he was 60-something in runs. Uh, but point being, this guy was really, really good. Johnny Damon patrolled center field for us in 2004. Uh, had the game of his life in game seven of the ALCS hitting two home runs, including a grand slam to, to, to pretty much ice the game. Um, and was it, I think very underrated defending player. Uh, he, 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 he went with the moniker of idiots for the 04 team that kind of stuck the media ran with it, but I think you're going to find out he's anything but an idiot when it comes to, to life and sports. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy the interview. Stay tuned. Joining me now is uh, a man who really does need no introduction to anybody that's watched baseball in the last three decades. Uh, a guy I had the honor and privilege of playing with uh, for a couple of years in Boston, doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, and uh, listen, Johnny, before I bring you on, and, and by the way, it's, his name's Johnny Damon, and you'll get to see him, ladies. Um, I want to mention something to you. I mean, you and I played together, and and that whole uh, idiot thing in Boston was was fun as hell to be a part of, but I, I don't know that people understand how good you were and i wanted to mention something uh since 1876 there have been 20,448 baseball players put on a big league uniform uh johnny damon ranks 31st all time in runs scored and 55th all time in hits 68th in stolen bases uh johnny it's always a pleasure my friend good to see you great to talk to you how you how's everything going there hey kurt everything's going great great seeing you and uh you know, that championship run we had in 2004, you can never top that. And I'm so happy that I got to share it with you. I'm glad you got came over from Arizona and uh, brought your World Series expertise. And uh, what a great time. I mean, they're going to remember us forever. And yep. next year's 20 years, brother. It and is. I, I, it's, it's exactly right. It's 20 years, which is amazing. Um and we'll get into the baseball stuff because there's a lot of lot of laughs to be had. But uh, first, let's talk about life. You you look great. I saw you. <laughs> I saw you in the yellow of the Savannah Bananas. Uh, you got to talk me through that. What was that like? Oh, it's such a great experience. I've joined them three times this year, and the last time I picked up a bat was back in March. And man, that bat was so heavy this time. <laughs> I 
I mean, I should at least try to go out there and practice and try to get in shape. You, hey, you didn't do it when you played. Why would you do it now? Well, because I'm almost 50, so I've got to <laughs> uh, uh, get my butt in gear. But uh, what they do, it's it's great for baseball. It gives um, kids a different outlook on baseball. You can go out there and you can have fun. Um, obviously, you can't dance around as much as these guys do, but um, right. they're fabulous. I mean, they so like, you know, it's it's funny because you know, you and I come from one of the last generations of I don't want to say old school, but but baseball was different, very different yeah. back then. And you know, I'm a I'm I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and and I was a traditionalist and and all those things. And I look at my initial look at Savannah was like, you know, this is a clown show, blah blah. But the fans freaking love it, and. Yeah. You know what? At the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about putting people in the seats and having kids come out like we did as kids and join the game. And as crazy it look, it looks like it's a hell of a lot of fun for the players. Oh, absolutely. And probably the only team I can uh, sign for a day with as well. But uh, they <laughs> sold, they sold 600,000 tickets this year with a million on the waiting list. And next year they're going to go play at some big league ballparks just like Fenway. Um, I know they're going to make the trip to uh, the new ballpark for the Rangers and uh, the Astros, I believe, Padres, Petco Park. Um, so eight major league ballparks next year. So, hey, let me ask you something. I didn't realize that they the rules are drastically different in a lot. <laughs> of. Did you have to unlearn some baseball to play? Yes, especially when you draw a walk, you have to sprint as far as you can go but they can tag you out if you you went too far so they do a great job i mean the one time that i did walk everybody touched the ball in i would say seven seconds uh pitcher (laughs) already touched the ball third base left field center like however they do it right do it great and the trick plays are amazing i could never do a backflip after like catching a ball like these guys can (laughs) and uh they do get a lot of great guys out to uh participate i know they have a game against some major league baseball alumni in a couple days i believe september 2nd up in savannah but uh they're doing funny because i I was watching you and i was thinking about the fact that it felt like when we played that manny was trying to play savannah banana baseball sometimes (laughs) uh for real um yeah and hitting 340 and hitting 40 home runs and all things go with that. So uh, talk to me about the how's Michelle doing in the kids? First uh, Michelle, of all, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me set the stage. For all of you fathers out there that 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 uh, have a daughter, just get ready for this one. So, Johnny, how's Michelle doing? And tell everybody how many kids you have and, and, and all that. Yeah, Michelle's doing fantastic. And uh, the kids, they're growing up fast. Uh, we have two that have graduated from college already one's going to law school and my son's actually taking a couple more classes he's into politics now he's up in tallahassee uh doing his thing he's and, a conservative uh, yes sir <laughs> yeah i mean so you have six daughters six daughters and two boys <laughs> and our little son just turned seven and he came after a vasectomy so uh oh good well yeah you're still, so yeah we tried always, to stop. Hey, you were always potent I mean, oh, yeah. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. so the se- the second one's worked so far. So uh, it's yeah. been seven years, so <laughs> we've been good. <laughs> hey, and I, you, you do look good, actually. You look like you're in really good shape. You, you, and that was always – and I, I, I want to talk to you about you as a baseball player. I mean, you came out of high school. 
Um, drafted 35th, you were you were uh, probably the premier high school player in the country at the time. Um, and one of the things I don't think a lot of people would would know if you go back and look, you had 235 bombs in your career. Um, and I, I I was always I always marveled at the fact that you were built like a football player. You had you had football player speed. Uh, you were a leadoff hitter, and I don't feel like you ever lost your speed. At least when I was playing with you, you were still. That was always an asset for you, and, and you're in a bigger body, and and, and that's not a, a, a you know it's a Mike Trout kind of a combination in my opinion, right? I, you look at Mike Trout, you th- you, and when you stand next to him, he's a, he's a monster of a man, and you don't realize, but you were always that big guy with a lot of speed. How did you keep that speed? Because you played the game hard. You 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 played the game while well, you had a horrible concussion, but you played the game hard. And a lot of guys that do that that and that run a lot. They end up getting worn down and worn out because of that. You never did. How did you keep yourself like that? Well, you have to learn because nowadays a lot of these guys start training a couple of days after the season. They never right. get a break. So I really didn't get going until the 1st of February. Right. And then I built myself up during spring training. That's why I was very durable and right. I really didn't want to take time off. But I was fortunate and blessed with great speed and i always hustled so the minute you start yeah i'm learning how to jog your body's going to get used to it so i was always used to uh sprinting and because of it was able to continue to play on winning teams and uh, able to make infielders uh crazy because they they take one step up and it's bang bang or they throw the ball away hey and you gotta remind me i gotta ask you about uh one of the new rules but first, I want to I want to talk about this. The, excuse me. The whole thing around the 04 socks, the idiots, and all that other stuff. It was kind of something you said in jest in an interview, yeah. and it just Kevin Millar brought it up. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Well, he was an idiot, but that, right. but that, that's neither here nor there. But, but um, you had what I, I always call it. You had a really high baseball IQ, and, and you know that that is a skill that's hard to scout sometimes. But I always liked the fact that you knew what your job was. And, you know, I, I look at, at, at games and, and people talk about, you know, game winning home runs and, and game winning hits and stuff. And I always used to go back and try and look at it at bat or a play in a game that might have happened in the seventh inning that ended up being. And you had a lot of those things because of your at bats. You were a guy who and I don't know if this was a practice skill and I want you to tell me and talk to young hitters about it. You could keep the ball. You could foul balls off, and it almost was like you did it on purpose. And and, and <laughs> you would run at bat. Well, but you would run yeah. at bats out. The at bat in in what was it? In the 09 World Series. You the nine pitch at bat against Lidge. Yeah. I mean that was the game winning at bat in my head. Obviously things yeah. have to happen afterwards. But was is that a skill you always had keeping keeping the bat on the ball? Well, I always know to compete, and there are so many times that. You don't want to get rung up on a close call as well. So you have to keep battling. Um, and I just feel like that skill is to go out there and continue to battle. Right. Because, uh, obviously, I would love to have that um, pitch right down the middle that I could hammer out of the ballpark. But the pitcher on the mound is not going to do that. So I learned how to uh, work out, try not to strike out. I w- was one of the best two-strike hitters in the game because of it. So uh right. Unfortunately, it got me in a great situation to, uh, you know. Oh, there um, she is. There she is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello. 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 
Yeah, to uh, to compete and to play on winning teams. And that's um, what I always wanted to do as a kid was to be a world champion. Well, I mentioned that because of this. So as a pitcher for me, I was always about, you know, you show me a guy that strikes out 100 times a year. I'm going to show you a guy with holes that I can exploit. Yeah. And one of the things I always marveled at, I, I always wanted that first inning to get through. I didn't I don't want to use all my pitches. I want to get my fastball established. So when I have a leadoff hitter who works a nine or ten pitch at bat, and, and I always look at that as almost like a hit. You go out, you make an out, but you run through ten pitches, you get the first two guys behind you hitting. They've already seen everything the guy's got. Right. And I mean was that an approach for you? Like when you let off a game, were you trying to obviously you're trying to get on base, obviously you're trying yeah. to get a hit. But drawing a bats out like that, that that to me was such a skill. Yeah, there was a time versus David Wells when he was with Toronto. I just told the guys, I'm going to make him throw so many pitches. I'm going to foul off every tough pitch. And I believe we got up to about 18 or 19. And David Wells <laughs> all of a sudden was like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I also showed the bunt. So I made him run a little bit. But um, my job is to make players around me better. So throughout my entire career, the guy who hit in front of me and behind me always had career years. And uh, and I'm very proud of that. I'm very yeah. proud to make teammates better and just sacrifice for the team. I mean, I right. very easily could have hit for a higher average. I could have like sacked bunted or did right. all that easy stuff or bunt with a big lead or still bases with a big lead or a big um deficit but uh right. you know, i want to play the game the right way have respect and therefore not too many of you guys threw up at me on purpose so no. uh, people respect well, yeah no because that was a stolen base we did, you yeah. didn't you didn't <laughs> want to do but but i think and i i want to say that because again johnny uh, you know a lot of what came out of 04 was you know the idiots and stuff like that but we were a professional team and yeah. we played the game the right way we played the game as hard as it can be played and I think Terry deserves some credit for that because I think we all bought into what he was selling. And, uh, you know, as the leadoff hitter, you set the tone. And and in much the same way like Henderson did and, and Tim Raines did, you had your own little style. But but I, I just want to emphasize to people, your baseball IQ was off the charts. And as someone who pitched, you know, I, I was a guy, you know, I moved you around defensively when I was on the mound because I had kind of three and a half outfielders. In Fenway, you had the right center field gap which was an enormous piece of land yes. and, and having someone like you that could run. And that was the other thing I got, I had the honor of playing in front of some great center fielders, you know, you and Steve Finley um, and, and guys who, who as a fly ball pitcher, you know, I always thought Fenway was a hitter's ballpark and, and came to realize that if I pitched the center field, two things, one, I got a lot of turf and two, I got you out there. And when you were out there and, and, and let me just, Segway, Manny was in left for the most part when you were out there. Manny was a better – I thought Manny was as good as anybody in Fenway playing the wall uh, in the monster. What was it like – I mean, were you the quarterback in center field? Were you – with Trot and right, Manny and left, were you moving guys around? Were you were you involved in, in positioning? Oh, always. And uh, Trot was a very smart outfielder too. He knew how to play guys. We knew how to look at each other and start um, moving um Manny did play the uh Fenway Park wall very well and uh you know I only had to play left and center field for about 20 pitches uh <laughs> because he still, he still was inside the uh, uh scoreboard so uh yeah. but, but only 20 times so <laughs> that's not And he was bad. a great cutoff man. 
He's he a great shutoff man. The only time he dove the entire year was ever the only, <laughs> ever, which is still one of the greatest highlights ever. Um, <laughs> hey, let's talk about 04. Um, you know, we, we started out, we were, we were, uh, we were a 500 team. We, we weren't, we, we were good. The Yankees were running away and all the things that go with that, you know, it ends up, you know, we get into the fight and then about 10, 12 days later, we start kicking it in the ass and, taking names and stuff like that. Give me some of your, your two or three, like most vivid memories of the 04 season and what, why they're, why they're the ones that stick out for you. Yeah. Well, obviously winning the championship, but uh, yeah. 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 That game um, with the fight and everything, it just kind of just brought us all back to um, earth and said, and told us we, we've, we've got to kick it into gear. We remember what happened the previous year with the uh, Aaron Neffen Boone home run and, and granted there was a lot to overcome that later on in the season, but my legs were jelly. So what I ended up doing, I, I found an eight foot basketball room and did dunks just to get my legs like explosive again. I, I wish I could really? say 10 feet, but um, I got my <laughs> legs going again and, um, as a center fielder, if your legs aren't there, um, it's, it's yeah. going to be tough. You're not going to catch um, routine fly balls. You're not going to have the balance at the plate. So I, I made sure I got my legs um, going, and it was just some explosive jumps. I really felt like when we got Orlando and Minkiewicz and Dave Roberts, I really felt like that was when we became the team we became. Yeah, you know, Defensively, we had been struggling. Um you know, with Nomar and his injury and, and about, you know, Pokey having to play around the infield. And then I thought Orlando really settled our infield. Dave Roberts gave us another guy in the outfield with you that could, that could run, that could do some things. And Dougie solidified at first base, but I really felt like we came together after that. And, you know, everybody talks about the fight and we came back. Well, after the fight, we played 500 ball for about a week. And then after that, it was, it was all she wrote. We, we, we took the bull by the horns and, uh, I, I, I got to tell you that, that when I think about you, I think about the fact that you were able. I, I thought you had a great, the great ability to never let Monday affect Tuesday. Right. And I don't think it ever showed itself more than in game seven of the ALCS. You know, you, they had pitched you well the entire series and they had, they had, they had for the most part, in a sense, shut you down as much as yeah. you could be shut down. But then you show up in game seven and talk about, Game seven, the at bats. You let off the game, and then you end up hitting the, the two home runs, the grand slam. Which, by the way, neither one was cheap. I mean, you went you went big big time on the <laughs> granny. But talk about that game, those game seven at bats, and your mentality going in. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I want to say how great of a shortstop was Orlando Cabrera. Oh, I mean, and a great teammate. Everything he could bunt, hit and run, do everything. He was so uh, smooth. Yeah. Okay. So back to game seven, I felt pretty good. The entire series at the plate I was seeing the pitches. Um, I probably took too many pitches early on in the um, series, but that's what I do as a leadoff guy. Um, took some extra BP. The bat started feeling better. And uh, fortunately enough, we got to win game four, got to win five and six. And then uh, game seven, you know, I started off, with the base hit, stolen base, and I had to freeze on that ball next to Jeter. End up getting yeah. thrown at home, so they um, they take the starter out, Kevin Brown, and uh, 
bring the lefty in for Big Poppy. Fortunately, he got that home run, and then uh, we're up. So the next inning, um, we got bases loaded, and I remember how Mike Messina pitched me the year before. He just wanted that strike one, strike two on me. So I wanted to, uh, worst-case scenario, get one run in, and worst case, get a sack fly to the outfield. Well, um, got jammed a little bit on that um, grand slam, but uh, with my strength. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I was able to get it to the second or third row. But uh, the next at bat, I mean, that ball took a long yeah. time before it landed. I absolutely Yeah, that was a that was a big boy and, homer. And, and that pitch was on the outside corner. So I was able to cover both sides of the plate. Right. And that's another thing that made my um, career um, 18 years. I was able to uh, cover the plate both way, both ways and uh, hit any pitch any direction. And you know what? I, that's something I, I was talking about earlier. And I wanted to mention, you know, I, I remember thinking about you in, in, in some ways, like Carl Crawford, I used to watch Carl Crawford swing and Carl Crawford would foul off pitches that Vladimir Guerrero couldn't foul <laughs> off. And, and it wasn't that he was fouling him off is that he was swinging at him to begin with, but you did the same thing. You had a, you had a very short stroke and, 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 but you had the ability to cover 25 to 30 inches of plate. Yeah. And that's, you know, I always tell guys, you know, if you, as, as a young hitter, you can't cover both sides. If I'm throwing 95, you have to pick one. And usually yeah. I can beat you on the other one. But you were never that guy. You were that guy. It, it didn't matter what side. You would you would put nasty pitches, foul them off, foul them off, foul them off, foul them off, until you got a mistake. Yeah. And, I again, that to me was such a gift and an art. that that it, And it's not something I don't think – you're not taught that. That's something you have that you – and it's a skill you you nurture – and and you 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 were to the day you retired you were always that hitter was that did hitting coaches ever mess with that no no i i mostly just wanted to uh battle until i got a uh, better pitch because like as you mentioned it's really tough to cover both sides of the plate and with all the different pitches coming it's it's really tough to adjust from an off speed pitch to a fastball so um, you've got to stay on the fastball and adjust to everything else. But even if you, even if you know what's coming, it's still hard. hard right. I mean, right. This game is so hard to begin with. But uh, yeah, I I had that ability, and uh, fortunately, it kept me around the game for a long time. So let's let's talk about uh, uh, a uh, a controversial aspect. You went from Boston to New York. Yeah. And uh, not a lot of guys make that move for all the obvious reasons. Right. Um, but you were one of the rare guys that it it more than panned out. And and I have this quote. I can't remember who said it, but I want to I want to because you don't see this a lot from guys that made that move. One of the uh, uh, a Boston writer said after 2006, you had 24 bombs, which was your career high. Uh, has been worth every bit of the extra 12 million Steinbrenner ponied up to take him away from the Red Sox. The Yankees got a very good player while taking one away from their biggest competition. Now, the biggest thing in that whole deal, and the reason I never said you'd be a Yankee, was the haircut. I mean, that was you you had to shave and look like a grown man. And and what was it like playing in New York after playing in Boston? Well, obviously, New York is a fantastic city or it was a fantastic city. Right. Like hopefully they can get back. But uh right. you know, I wanted baseball to remain important. And what 
I had on the table was 52 million with the Yankees or zero at the time from the Red Sox. I mean, right. I finally get an offer from the Red Sox after I agree to right. uh, the Yankees. So um, I didn't think they would let me walk. I mean, I, yeah, bought, I didn't either. Yeah. I bought a house in uh, Boston cause they said I would be there for a long time. Right. And I understand the business side. Looking back, Jacoby Ellsbury's a year away. They still had Manny on contract for a number of more years. Yep. I'm sure they wanted me for one year and see what happens, but uh, unfortunately, I can't leave three right. years out there. And so, no, it ended, I, it ended up working out for everybody. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, it it stunk for the fans because I was a favorite, and uh, but I, I made the most of it. And, well, you still are. I, I think I, I, and that's one of the things about us in 04. I laugh because, you know, there's part of you as a, as a player. You look at teams that you played on, and and. In some ways, you're like, gosh, you know, if they win the championship this year, they're going to forget about us. And like, <laughs> we played on the team no one will ever forget about. And in, in a year, and and that's one of the reasons why, you know, you and I can not talk for five years or ten years and show up in the room and just talk like we haven't been gone for a day. Right. Um. And and that was, yeah. it, I special mean, we share time. something special in front of special people too. Yeah. And I remember, I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember when we were flying back after we had clinched against the Yankees and we were pretty sauce, all of us on the plane. <laughs> and, and we got back, you remember the bus ride from the airport to the, to the field and all the cars stopped on the freeway. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was uh, amazing. You know, much better finished um, from the year before. That's for <laughs> sure. yeah. So, um, yeah, the year before, I uh, I got back to Boston and I just jumped in my car and started heading down to Florida. I mean, yeah. I was crushed, and and people don't realize how crushed you get because you you put everything on the yeah. line the entire year, and then for it to end. Um, yeah, it hurts. And, and people don't understand. You you and I lived the same moment in different places. Like in 93, Joe Carter walked us off in the World Series. You know, you're sitting there and your body's full of every emotion you can imagine. And then one pitch later, everything's over. Yeah. And they don't, this, the, the finale of that, the suddenness of that is shocking. And, yes. and I, you know, it's one of the things that when I came there in 04, was uh, I didn't have the baggage that guys had. I remember Millar talking about, you know, I didn't want them to hit the ball to me in the ninth inning in 03 because I didn't want to be Bill Buckner. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. That, you know, and and it there wasn't a lot of that, but there, there it was more in the stands than it was. And that was the thing. That rivalry, it, I, I would argue that year was different, but most of that rivalry was in the stands. Yes. The fans didn't like each other and the, the, the fans didn't like the opposing players and all the things that go with that. But there is a mutual respect there that that you know you when 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 uh, Rivera gets introduced in 05 opening day in Boston and gets a standing oh I thought that was like one of the coolest things that ever yeah. happened oh absolutely but you so you go on and you 18 years um if you could if you could sum it up and say say in in a sentence the thing you're most proud of your career what would it be being a great teammate agreed I would agree that you were you were. You really were. And you were you were a fun person. And it, it's funny because people don't understand the life to, to any extent and how hard it is. Everybody that's, you know, uh, Deion Sanders and Brian Jordan, guys who cross sports, talk about it. And it's true. The baseball schedule is the hardest schedule in professional sports by a landslide, because yeah. no matter how tired you are on Sunday night 
the Sunday night ESPN game, which we wore every Sunday because we played the Yankees. You yeah. get into a town at 4 a.m., you still got to go out the next day and play against Messina. And and you got and and so guys like you, I always laugh because I had Mirabelli on, and I used to laugh about the fact that you had to have guys on the bus that at 4 a.m. in customs in Toronto could make everybody laugh. Correct. Yeah. And you were you were one of the guys in that mix. And and um <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna name a couple guys. Uh, uh, Nate, just give me the first thought that comes to your mind uh, of the player. Bill Miller. Grinder. Um, very um, underrated. I mean, this guy was like Agreed. best. Yeah. Kevin Grind. Millar. Man. <laughs> That's it. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, That's we, perfect. That's perfect. We, we couldn't uh, have done it without him. We nope. couldn't have done it without him. We stayed so loose and it was so great great when he joined our team in 2003 because I felt like my first year in Boston I had to try to get guys going every single day you know they're yeah it still had that old time feeling and when Kevin came I was like great yeah I don't have to do it all the time Derek Lowe Derek Lowe oh man he's he's a hoot <laughs> yeah I, oh, people man. don't realize that you know and, and it's one of my most memorable conversations was you remember he got left off the rotation for the playoffs and he was in the outfield, he, and he was really, really upset. And I remember talking to him, saying, hey, listen, dude, you're going to have to come in and get a big out at some point. Need you to be need you to be here. Need you to be present. And he ends up clinching three games. He ends up pitching yes. all three clinchers and dominating game seven. Uh, Keith Folk. Oh, Keith Folk. I mean, that's what we needed. We yeah. needed a closer. We didn't have one in 2003, and uh, it came back and uh, bit us. And uh, Yeah. You need to have a closer who can go in there and uh, um, get the job done. And if he doesn't, he'll be ready the next day. And, and he uh, threw – I think he threw 200 innings in the playoffs. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was, and and it, was, it was just so – I thought he was the MVP of the postseason, along I, with D'Low and Mark Bellhorn. And, yeah. Um, I thought I Jay, yeah. yeah. Jason Veritek. Oh, uh, best game caller um, ever. And yep. – uh, He's a captain, so uh, yeah. I love playing with him. Another Central Florida boy. A lot of Central yeah. Florida guys on. Yeah, on Red he he always annoyed me. He always annoyed me because, like you, he went around the locker room naked, and <laughs> you know, physically, it was like, "Come on, dude, put something on already." Your locker <laughs> next to me. I I can't do this every day. Uh, yeah, best game caller I ever played for. I the only time I think I ever shook him off, I lost a no hitter, so I learned the hard way. Um, so so uh. What are you doing now? I mean, I know you're retired. You're uh, clearly, like I said, you're you're still in obviously in as good a shape as you've been in a long time. What do you what do you what's life like right now for you? Well, life is fantastic. I have my uh, sports drink called A Game. We are. Yeah, I love the shirt. Yeah, we're in a lot of places in Arizona now, but uh, um, up and down the uh, East Coast, Shaw's Stop and Shop, Giant Giant Eagle, Food Lion's been great to us in North Carolina area. Publix and Costco down here in the south and uh, a couple stores in Texas and uh, about 6,000 right now. And nice. uh, it's a very clean hydration drink. Uh, created it back in 2012. There were It was a hot summer. A lot of uh, kids were dehydrated, many dying, mostly football players. So I wanted something that was cleaner than what's out there or what's been out there. And uh, and it tastes great. And it's got a great name. I mean, you got to bring your A game every right, summer. Right, right, right. Whether you're a parent, pitcher, yeah. hitter, teacher, 
Yeah. And I like it. A game. A game. I, I have I I have not seen that. I'm in Tennessee. I'm gonna have to give that a whirl. Hey JD, oh, listen. Yeah, we're in public in Tennessee. Yeah. It is awesome to catch up with you. It's great to see you again. Uh I love you to death and I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Hey, thank you, brother. Say hello to the family. Love I will always. Do that. All right. Great you. That's Johnny Damon in a nutshell. Um Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did because I had fun. Uh, guys, it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, anywhere you want to find your podcast uh, or anywhere you do find your podcast, you can find us. We'd like you to go to outkick.com and find it there. Um, but Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. Uh, coming up on Tuesday will be the full interview with Rod Carew. Uh, so between now and Tuesday, have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Take Justin Jefferson with your first pick in your football draft. Don't overthink it. Uh, and if you're second, you take Christian McCaffrey. Um, and if you're sixth, you take Travis Kelsey. So have a great fantasy draft, a great Labor Day weekend, and uh, enjoy Hall of Famer Rod Carew on Tuesday. <laughs>